Hey everyone, my name is Sam. For those of you that I haven't had the privilege of meeting, uh, you can call me Sam here. If you're one of the people in my scripture class, you don't have to add a mister to the front of that or you don't have to mention my last name at all. Uh, that would be preferable. Uh, it is such a privilege to be opening God's word with you guys tonight. It is such a privilege that we have the words of God written down for us to learn from. Uh, and sometimes when we look at the Bible, we come across stories and things that it wants to tell us that are sometimes rather hard to hear. And as Mickey's mentioned, tonight's passage is particularly graphic. Uh, it's a particularly graphic part of Mark's gospel. In just a moment, Elise is going to come up and she's going to read it for us. But before she does, I want to give you guys just a little bit of context because it's important to know that the entire book of Mark, every single story, is about one man. It's about one man named Jesus. But there are actually two exceptions to that rule. And there are two times in the book of Mark where the writer, Mark, tells us about another person. He tells us about a guy named John. Uh, the first time that he tells us about this man named John, it's in the very start of the book, in Mark chapter 1 where he's trying to introduce us to the fact that Jesus, this awesome guy that we've been learning about for the last few weeks, is about to start his ministry. But then he tells us this in Mark 1 verse 14. He says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. What happens is that Jesus' ministry begins with this man John being put in prison. Before Jesus turns up, John is telling people that Jesus is about to turn up. He's telling them that something amazing is about to occur. But John's ministry stops when Jesus' ministry begins. And today we're going to finally find out six chapters later what happened to John after he got put in prison. So Elise is going to come on up and she's going to read that for us. Uh, it's going to be up on the screen, so you shouldn't need to have your phones out at all for this. Uh, so please turn your eyes to the screen and open your ears. If you would like a physical Bible, I have three here that I can give to three lucky people who'd really want one. Sorry, I can't detach the microphone. That's on me. Tonight's Bible reading is from Mark chapter 6, verse 14 to 29. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are working in him. Others said, he is Elijah. And still others claimed, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. From Her for, Herod heard for Herod himself had given orders to him... Oh my gosh had given orders to have John arrested and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and was protected and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and he, his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. 
And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once a girl hurried into the king with the request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oath and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing, on hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Thank you so much for reading that, Elise. Everyone give her a clap. Yeah, well done. Bit of a hard passage to read. It's not very often that you come across the word um, behead in, in anything that you're reading, uh, let alone in the Bible. It only happens a couple of times. That's not what we're going to focus on tonight. Uh, we have been, as I said before, tracking through the book of Mark. Uh, the good news about Jesus Christ recorded for us by a guy named Mark 2,000 years ago. Mark thinks that everything in this book that he's writing is good news. He's been telling us the true story about this man named Jesus, who we've seen healing the sick, who we've seen casting out demons, forgiving sins, helping people who couldn't walk, walk again, walking on water himself, teaching with authority. We've seen Jesus go from strength to strength to strength. He's doing amazing things. And all of that, when we read it, seems almost unreal. And sometimes when we read on a page the stories in the Bible, I find it really helpful when we come across moments like this. When we read in Scripture of something horrible happening that reminds us of the world that we live in today. Because it's helpful, I think, for us to think, and I think Mark wants us to think this as well, that Jesus' ministry wasn't all sunshine and rainbows and miraculous healings. There were times when it was hard, when there were some really horrible things. And what I hope we can do tonight is learn something from the two main people in this story, Herod and John. Our passage begins with a king named Herod hearing about Jesus. And this really is good news, because what this tells us is that the news about Jesus is spreading. And some people, as we've learned over the last few weeks, when they hear about Jesus... They respond to it, and it's good news for them. But this guy, Herod, freaks out. He says, he thinks, John, the guy that I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. Not a very good thing to be thinking. Uh, And immediately, John fills us in on something. We get a flashback. If this was a movie scene, I like to imagine the edges of the screen would get blurry, the soundtrack would change to sound like it was a little bit older, uh, and we jump back in time to something that had already happened. Because up until this point, all we knew about John was that he was in prison. We thought he was probably going to be okay, because that's what's happened to everyone else so far in the story. They've kind of been okay. Sick people get brought to Jesus, they're okay. He makes them well again. The disciples are in a boat and the storm's really crazy. It's probably going to be okay. Jesus calms the storm. But it doesn't really work out that way for John. Herod was keeping John locked in the dungeon because he was calling Herod out on his sinful relationship to his brother's wife. It's a bit messy. We're not going to go into too much detail. But essentially, Herod's relationship 
wasn't what it should be, let alone what it should be for someone who was the ruler of other people. It's a pretty messy situation. But Herod knows something about John. In fact, he believes something about John that's quite remarkable. He knows John to be a righteous and holy man. So he really does not want to kill John. He really doesn't want to cross that line. But John keeps calling him out on his sin. And so Herod just lives in this awkwardness of just keeping John in the basement and sometimes bringing him out to listen to the wise things he has to say, feeling a bit weird about it, and then putting him back down in the dungeon and living with this tension. Herod definitely doesn't want to change anything about his life because it's kind of fun. He doesn't want to change anything. So he tries to live with two different realities. He tries to get some of the benefits of John's teaching, of the message about God, but he doesn't want it to affect his choices. He doesn't want it to affect his life in any way. And in the story that we just read, it, do it doesn't work. This situation can only last for so long before something gives. And unfortunately, the thing that gives is John's head. It leads to Herod making worse and worse decisions until eventually John pays the price. That's the passage. This quick little aside that Mark is inserting in amongst the rest of the story that's going on. And we come across things like this in the Bible all the time and we think, why is this here? Why on earth is Mark telling us that John got his head cut off? That seems unnecessarily gruesome. Uh, I don't know why this is here. And... It can be tricky to understand, but there's a word starting with C which really helps, and it's called context. Uh, your English teachers at school will love you if you know that word and understand what it means. It means the, thing surround, the stuff surrounding something that informs what we know about it, right? Take me, for instance. You'd know things about me based on my context, the things around me. You're looking at me right now on the stage here at Restore. I'm wearing a name tag that has my name on it, so you know my name's Sam. You know I'm one of the youth pastors here. That's my context. It's the stuff around me that informs what you know about me. In today's passage, we know what comes before it and what comes after. Just before this passage, Craig spoke to us last week about how Jesus sent out his disciples to share the good news about him. And just after it, Jesus' disciples return back and they're super stoked about everything that's gone on. And they tell Jesus about what's been happening to them as they've been sharing the good news about him. And I think that John wants us to know that even when things are going well, it's important to know that the story about Jesus isn't just sunshine and rainbows. It's not all great stuff going on. Some of it's really hard. And so when we look at the two characters, we can learn from Herod that you shouldn't just sit on the fence. We're going to unpack that a little bit. But the fact that John had such a rough end should let us know that things aren't always going to be great if we're following Jesus. It should let us know that things aren't always going to be sunshine and rainbows. Let's first look at Herod and then we'll come back and we'll have a look at John. 
Herod shows us that you can't sit on the fence. What do I mean by, by that? Well, what I mean uh, is that Herod doesn't actually make much sense. Herod's choices don't make sense. Because when we look at Herod's thoughts about Jesus, when we look at Herod's thoughts about John, Herod believes that Jesus has been sent from God. He believes Jesus is powerful and that he can and has done miraculous things. And he thought similar things about John. On one hand, if anyone can recall last week, Herod actually has a higher opinion of Jesus than Jesus' own family does at this point. Because last week, Jesus' family couldn't see past their previous experience of Jesus to acknowledge who he actually was. But Herod doesn't have that problem. He looks at Jesus and he's like, wow, this guy's powerful. But Herod is terrified of that. Possibly rightly so, because Herod does not want to take on board what that means for his life. Herod is a great reminder that holding a high opinion of Jesus, thinking Jesus was a great guy, thinking he had good things to say, that Herod is a great reminder that thinking highly of Jesus is not the same thing as faith. And we see this sort of thing today so often, right? We see people just like Herod, albeit they're not cutting people's heads off, but they look at Jesus and they say, yeah, Jesus was a great man. He lived a long time ago and he definitely wasn't God. But he was possibly a wise teacher, possibly a smart guy, possibly even the best example of a good human that has ever lived. But the problem with thinking that is that it doesn't make sense. Because you can't live with two realities. Because Jesus tells us himself explicitly that he is the Son of God. If he is just a wise teacher, then that's a lie. And Jesus is a raving madman. There are only two options that Jesus leaves us with. If you met someone who claimed openly to be the Son of God, to be able to do miraculous things, that person would be crazy unless they could back it up, unless they could do the things that they said they could do. You can't half follow Jesus. You can't believe in the things he says, but not believe in the things that he did. And when we look at Herod, we can see that. It doesn't make sense for Herod to think that John was a messenger from God, the God of the universe. Herod actually thought that. He thought that John was sent from God with unnatural wisdom and still decided to keep him locked in a dungeon, to not listen to him, and then to let someone else pressure him into murdering him. It doesn't make sense. Herod continues to sin, even though he knows that the God of the universe is telling him it's the wrong thing to do. He tried to have his cake and eat it as well, which isn't possible. He tried to listen to John's wisdom, but not act on it at all. And I don't know about you guys, but seeing how foolish this seems in Herod really hits me hard. When I think of the ways that I'm 
not surrendering parts of myself to Jesus. The times when I want to lock away what God has to say to me and not pay attention to it and pull it back out of its box and just enjoy the wisdom a little bit and then pack it away again and deal with it some other time, but not let it affect the choices I make, but not let it affect my life. I don't want God telling me what is right and what is wrong. And I want to tell you guys that doesn't make sense. And that's something I need to repent of every day of my life. Something every Christian needs to continually repent of. And I know it's something that every single one of you in this room struggles with. Making choices that don't line up with what you actually think about God. You might be sitting there tonight and you might be intrigued by this Jesus guy. We've been talking about him for like seven weeks now. I think that's what week we're in. I don't even know. Perhaps uh, something in your life, though, is so important to you that you don't want to let go of it. And so you don't want Jesus to actually be the Lord of your life because that would mean letting go of that thing. You might think, and I know I've thought this before, Jesus sounds cool and all, but I really like insert thing and I don't think I could live without it. If that's you, I would encourage you to think about how illogical that is how little sense that makes. Whether it's pornography, gossip, greed, anger, rage, pain, procrastination, you can lay it all at the feet of Jesus. You can bring it all before Him. So often, I feel like I need to deal with my own problems before I can bring them to Jesus. And so often I have people come up to me here at youth group or at scripture or somewhere else uh, and ask me about whether someone can be a Christian if they have done this or if they've done that or if they're struggling with this sin. Can they actually have a relationship with Jesus? And I think struggling with that question is a good thing in a way, but We also need to realize that it doesn't make sense to try and wash your hands before you get in the shower. It doesn't make sense to try and clean yourself before you get in the shower. No, you get in there and then you sort out your mess once you're there. Brothers and sisters, you don't need to be clean before you approach Jesus. You don't get clean before you hop in the shower. You get in and sort it out in there. You don't need to deal with the sin in your life before you approach Jesus before you can have a relationship with him. While you were still a sinner, Jesus died for you. And that's wonderful news. That's what I think we can learn from Herod. Don't sit on the fence. It doesn't make sense to live your life halfway between two camps. You can't have a little bit of Jesus, but then still want to fully live the ways of this world. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. So you need to figure out where you are. My hope and prayer is that you land on the side of the fence where Jesus is. Because there there is hope. There is joy and there is peace. But as I said before, there's a second person in this story, and that's John. Uh, And John here is faithful. 
He does all the right things. He's telling people about God. He loves Jesus. He wants people to know about him. Uh, And he's calling someone out on their sin, uh, possibly a little boldly, which is neither wrong nor right. But John dies in a horrific way. But guys, I don't think we're meant to see ourselves in John. This is a very sobering reminder that this world is still sinful and broken, that the Bible is a real book about real events in history. Herod the Tetrarch was a real guy. He really did behead John the Baptist. It really was and is tragic. But John's death points forwards to another death, one where an innocent man would be killed, but this time not quickly, in fact, rather slowly, This man would also be killed by a petty tyrant who listened to the outcries of other people who wanted this man dead. And that man's name was Jesus. It's a bit of a spoiler alert for the book of John, but hopefully by now you know that Jesus does die in this book. But he doesn't die without reason. He dies for you. The Bible isn't all sunshine and rainbows. The story of Jesus isn't sunshine and rainbows. Perhaps the most important thing that happens in the story of Jesus is filled with blood and pain and agony. But because of that, Jesus triumphed over that horrible situation. And we know that John is in heaven. I personally can't wait to meet him someday. I reckon it'll be awesome. I can't wait to find out how on earth he stayed alive uh, whilst just eating locusts and honey. Uh, You guys can go back and read about that. It's a bit crazy. But I want to leave you guys with the thought before we go and discuss more in our small groups. I want you guys to ask yourselves, honestly ask yourselves the question, am I trying to sit on the fence? Am I trying to live with two realities that do not mesh? Because the truth is, it's not a fence you can sit on. It's a fence that ultimately is going to slide you back one way. If you try and sit on that fence, just like what happened with Herod, it's going to slide him back away from Jesus. My hope for all of you is that you can put your faith in Jesus as the Lord of your life. I know that's what your leaders want for you. That's what I hope and pray for you guys every week. But you can't have both. You can't have the ways of this world and Jesus. You can't have both. Take as much time as you need to wrestle with that choice, but know that it is a choice that you are going to have to make. It's the most important one you ever will make. And I think sometimes it can be easy. But other times it can be really hard to let go of the things that we really love about sin. But following Jesus means putting that to death. I'm going to pray and then we're going to break into our small groups. I'm going to talk about this a bit further. Please pray with me. Dear God, Thank you so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. Dear Lord, when we read about hard things like this, help us not to lose hope, but help us to see that your son Jesus endured the greatest hardship so that we could have the greatest gain. 
Please help us to accept that. Not to illogically try and mesh faith and the wisdom of you with sin and this world, but rather to seek you, to try and turn away from the sin in our lives so that we can have a relationship with you, washed clean by your Son, Jesus. It's in his powerful name that we ask that you will open our hearts to you, that you would change us so that the sin in our lives would grow more and more distant. Lord, we know we'll continue to struggle while we're on this sinful, broken earth. But Lord, please cleanse us and wash us clean through the blood of your Son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.